Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. There we go. All right, just going to get right into it, Jamie, just a heads up. But Welcome to another edition of Revolution Recap. We are coming to you after a 2-2 draw for New England with Dominic Baggi opening the scoring for Cincinnati and then committing an own goal to tie the game at one goal apiece. Gustavo Bo goal in the 24th minute gave the Revs a lead heading into halftime, but a 15th, 55th minute goal from, of course, Dominic Baggi would ensure that New England would only walk away with one point. My name is Sam Minton, and tonight I am joined by Jamie Rook, who covers the Reds for Last Word on Soccer. Jamie, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me on, and um, I'm excited to talk about uh, a decent result, given, as uh, Dave Romney and Bruce mentioned in the post-match press conference, it wasn't the best of performances, so a good result at the end of the day. Of course, of course, you can never be upset with a point on the road. But before we get to our key takeaways sponsored by The Rebellion, I want to get to our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get it on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And now, Jamie, obviously, there's plenty to take away for this game, but I do want to get to our key takeaways sponsored by The Rebellion. Make sure to go check them out. But what is your key takeaway tonight, Jamie? I was thinking first about whether talking about the defensive frailties that were on show tonight, um, there were a number of mistakes I thought at the back, but given that this is what seven games unbeaten now, I thought I'd take more of a, a positive spin and um uh, focusing on Gustavo Bo. Um he played a major role in the first goal, forced the own goal, and then he uh, did very well with the second, found himself in good space and converted it well. Um so I think he's been he's been an interesting player to watch over the last few weeks since he's returned from injury, watching him link up with um Carlos Hill and Giacomo Vironi as as the three DPs has been fascinating. Uh, Vironi's been in and out of the side, he's had injuries himself as well. But um, Hill and Bo, at the very least, have been, have been the two constants, particularly when you look back over the last two seasons. And I think he he had a, another strong performance. And yeah, the, at the end of the day, he's a striker and scoring goals is is the bottom line. And he, he scored one and was the key influencer in another. So I think it's a... Uh, another very important performance from Bo to secure a point. Yeah, and you know, I, I definitely too think Gustavo Bo had a good night. He just has this ability to be able to pull a goal out of thin air. You know, he, he can take those wild shots from outside the box. He he has the leg to blow it past the goalkeeper, similar to what we saw last week with Bobby Wood. But you know, that's exactly what you want in a designated player, someone who's just able to get you a goal, kind of get you into the game. And you know, whether it be winning you three points or ensuring that you win a point. It's definitely something that he's able to provide. I know he is only getting up there in age at 33 years old, but I think in general, you know, he, he's been great for the revolution. I know uh, with his goal, I believe he's now tied with Giacomo Veroni on four goals. So maybe you want to see a few more goals, but obviously with Gustavo Bo, there's always the question of health. So overall, I think it's a good night. And Jamie, I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on this. Obviously, when it comes to the rev striker position, you have – uh, Gustavo Bo, you have Giacomo Veroni, 
and you have Bobby Wood playing quite well. So we've seen Bobby Wood continue to get uh, a, a majority of the starts with Gustavo Bo mostly pairing alongside of him. What's your thought on this, especially having Giacomo Brioni on the bench? Do you feel that he needs to start getting starts? Does he need to start getting in the starting 11? Does Bruce need to get all three DPs in the field? You know, how, how does Bruce Arena handle this? Well, when, when Bobby Wood first came in, I was quite interested to see how it would work because um haven't seen various interviews from him. He was clearly a good personality, but I can't say I'd seen lots of him from his RSL days as a as a forward. So I wasn't quite sure what to expect. But um I've been pleasantly surprised. I think he's been excellent. Um I think he I think he's tied with uh Hill to lead the team in goals and I think he's just been he's just been very consistent. Even if he's not scored on a night, he's still had a, a solid performance. So I'd say currently I just don't see how if everyone's fit, if you're gonna go over one strike, I think Bobby Wood has to be the man to lead the line. Obviously, as you said, Bo and Veroni are two of the three DPs, but when Wood is is scoring the goals, it's hard to overlook him. But then if you are to bring a second in, maybe maybe Bo is that man. But I just think Veroni Veroni has has clearly has the talent, but I think it will just be a case of if you give him a run of games and he is able to stay fit, I'm sure given his track record and where he's been in the past, he probably would be able to become one of the top strikes in MLS. But for the time being, I just find it hard to look past Bobby Wood. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Bobby Wood. Definitely surpassed my expectations. I do think, you know, we've talked about it before uh, here, talked about it with Sean Donahue, that if you're somehow going to force all three DPs, you're likely going to have to see the revs go to that kind of a, Four two three three one, and you'd have to push Gustavo Bo out on the wing, and I don't know if that's his best position. But kind of just talking about Bobby Wood, just his ability, his hold up plays, physicality, it's been great, and I feel like that's something that Gustavo Bo he can at times bring that, but I would say in general, you know, that's not his game. Giacomo Verioni hasn't been able to bring that to his game, so I think overall just. Being able to be that prototypical, you know, hold up striker, be able to feed Carlos Hill, kind of create those offensive chances. He's earned his spot, and it's going to be really hard to take it away from him. I think Leeds Cup could be very interesting for someone like Vironi in the fact that maybe Bruce Arena isn't want to wants to rest someone like Gustavo Bo. Maybe not have him start every single game. That could be a time when we see Rioni get a run out or even rest someone like Bobby Wood. So it will be interesting. It seems like we're getting to the point where we have to start seeing what the revolution have in Giacomo Rioni. Because at this point, do you possibly move on from him? I don't know about that. Again, Gustavo Bo's getting up there in age. Contract expiring at the end of the season. We could see a DP spot opening up. But if Gustavo Bo keeps scoring goals, I do think he's someone that the revolution will want to keep. And, you know, I do want to ask you that, Jamie, you know, with Gustavo Bo's contract coming up, do you think he is someone that the revolution should make an effort to keep? Or do you think they should look to utilize the DP spot elsewhere? It's it's a difficult one because uh, over, over the few years since he's been here, he's obviously had such an impact. But then as he's getting older, there are, there are more injuries creeping into his games. I think it could, it really could go either way, but, um, Given what he's shown in the last few weeks post injury, and if he is able to stay fit, I think the refs are probably it's almost a safer option if they are to to stick with him and keep him in the side and try and maybe sort a new deal for him. Even if it is, I guess a, a short deal would would make sense. Not obviously gambling your long term future on someone that is of that age. Maybe a one or two year deal would would see you through, and then. You can obviously maybe pass on the baton to Vrioni as the starting striker and see if 
he then does live up to this expectation we have of him as a former Juventus player and and a player that obviously has come from such a claim from Europe. Yeah, I, I know. I think in a perfect world, we would see someone like Gustavo Bo maybe go down to a TAM deal or take a pay cut. But I just don't know if that will happen. Obviously, he's always linked uh, to make a move back to racing, owns a club back in Argentina. It just seems like the stars are kind of aligning for him to make that return. You know, it would be tough for a DP like himself, especially he still seems to be performing quite well when he's able to stay healthy to see him go. Uh, but I do think it will be interesting to see what the revolution end up doing come the end of the season. But getting back uh, to Saturday night against Cincy, my takeaway is I was really impressed with Jack Panioto. You know, I don't think he did anything amazing, but just overall his uh, defensive effort really stood out to me. Not really something that you focus on, but with the revolution kind of bunkering down against FC Cincy, they seem to have all the momentum New England obviously would have loved to get three points on the road, but I think getting a point is definitely something you can be proud of and, and you know, take away from this game. And I was just really impressed. Had a key clearance on Lucho Acosta, was able to cause some turnovers. So I'll, overall, I thought he had a good game. I thought it was really interesting to see Bruce Arena go with him over someone like Esmir Baraktarovic. Esmir has a little bit more experience, so to see him kind of go on the bench is interesting as maybe someone like Jack Panioto leapfrogged him on kind of options off the bench. But Jamie, love to get your thoughts on uh, how you feel Jack P performed off the bench and maybe even the likes of Giacomo Veroni and the other subs who came off the bench. Yeah, I think it was a, a solid performance. And as you mentioned, from such a young player as well, for him to, it didn't seem obvious that he was such a youngster. I think that is that is as much credit as you can give him. He didn't seem out of his depth. And I feel like we've seen that well with... Um, the likes of Buck and Esmir and Tika Rivera as well, with all these youngsters coming in, they all seem to be bedded in quite well, not too fast. They all seem to slowly get used by Bruce more and more, and they all seem to be able to do their roles respectively very well. So I think from him, again, it was a, a, a solid performance. It obviously wasn't setting the world alight, but from someone so young to see, to see what he could do, it was very strong. And then when you look at the other subs, I don't think... There wasn't like a massive impact, obviously. Uh, in the past few months, the Revs have had a have had a habit for players coming off the bench and scoring goals. So it wasn't quite that case uh, this game. But I still think there is a lot of talent coming in from coming in from the bench that can make a difference. But this tonight, it wasn't really a case of that. But I feel like still a two-two draw. It's um, it wasn't really the night for them to to shine. I feel like those that were on the pitch from the start did the job as it is. Yeah, and, you know, I did think it was interesting to see Ben Sweat. We haven't really gotten a, a big chance to see what he's capable of. Saw him in the U.S. Open Cup, but he hasn't really gotten a ton of MLS minutes outside going up against someone like Sport in Kansas City. Um, didn't think he particularly did anything amazing, but he also wasn't particularly bad, so I guess that is a good thing, especially looking out the outside back position. You've seen it with the one. Uh, with the U.S. men's national team, Christian McCoon currently out injured. That is a spot that the Revolution are quite weak in in terms of death overall. So it was nice to see him at least get out there. You know, the Revolution did sign him, so you might as well play him. Uh, obviously, Omar has kind of become that closer, seeing him kind of close out this draw. Again, he's someone who struggled last year, but I think so far this year he's done quite well. But, Jamie, uh, you know, you did mention Damian Rivera. Obviously, he went away with the Costa Rica U23s for that international tournament, has come back, has uh, gotten some playing time. Just overall, what are your impressions of him as a player and just overall his spot on this Revolution roster? 
Uh, oh, last season it was a weird one. He was almost one of the first youngsters to really get to get thrust into the limelight, and I wouldn't say he performed badly, but there were there were moments where a poor touch or like a lapse of concentration would pop up, and for me personally, it all, it, it was almost like maybe he isn't quite ready for for this level of MLS action. Um, having I, I had the pleasure to interview him, and he does seem like he's very focused on on being able to break into this rev starting lineup. But I'm just not sure I see it yet. Whereas obviously you see someone like Noel Buck, who now is surely a, a starter when fit. He's played so well so far this year that it's, it's hard to begrudge him that. So I think, yeah, with Rivera, it's one of those where Bruce may be now thinking of slowly easing him into it more and more, trying not to to overload him with minutes and just trying to see where he can fit into the plans. So I think when you picture him as this, let's say he, he is a, a left mid or a left winger in comparison to Ima Boateng, who's been the other like starter or impact sub, I feel like in the absence of Barrero, Boateng is is the go-to man and has performed particularly well. So I feel like Rivera has has obviously a lot, has age on his side and could easily be a very solid player in two or three years. But for the time being, I feel like he's got a bit of work to do to to really get up to the level of MLS action. Yeah, you know, you would hope that someone like Rivera would come back with some confidence after, you know, being able to participate for his country with Costa Rica in that U23 tournament. And overall, you know, kind of kind of almost looked a bit rusty, had some poor touches. So hopefully we will see a bit more because especially for someone like Damian Rivera, I would say especially the case for someone like Justin Rennicks, it's getting to the point where you need them to prove that they belong on an MLS roster. Especially Justin Renex is a deep striker room of the revolution. He's kind of shown some flexibility being able to move on to the wing. Uh, but it's getting to the point where I'm starting to wonder, could we see the revolution possibly move on from someone like Justin Renex? I don't know, but it seems like the time is kind of running out there. I feel like Damian Rivera does has have, have a bit more time, and obviously he's kind of getting some recognition on the international stage, which, which is good. Uh, but hopefully we'll be, be able to see a bit more going uh you know, further into this season. And obviously, too, I do want to kind of touch upon the back line. Um, obviously, I don't think it was the best performance for them, uh, especially uh, Andrew Farrell had some rough moments given up, I would say, on that Dominic Baji goal, kind of was able to sneak in behind him. But, but Jamie, wanted to get your thoughts on how the back line performed. Well, I guess from, from the off, you can tell that um, two of those four in that back line maybe wouldn't be regular starters if all was well obviously as you mentioned earlier Dewan Jones is away with the, the US men's national team and Henry Kessler is out after having surgery so I think it is not a makeshift back line because obviously Andrew Fowler is a very experienced player so that'll be doing him a disservice but it was it was a case of there were some poor moments I think Romney mentioned it himself there was one pass where it was a, from him that was a big giveaway that looked like it maybe could have been punished if um, Cincinnati were more lethal going forward in that moment, but I think overall it was it was it wasn't the best of performances. Um, in recent weeks, the Revs have started to become a more solid defensive unit, whereas obviously last year that was one of the biggest issues as they failed to even make the playoffs. That some of the defensive mistakes week in week out were were really abysmal. But I think tonight was hopefully just a a blip more than anything because um both goals not that Petrovic couldn't really have done anything for it. I think he overall had a solid performance, but it was you saw Romney and Farrell amongst others making 
uh, slight mistakes, which maybe just be uh, lapses of concentration. Yeah, I, I think overall, like you mentioned, it, it wasn't the best night, and you definitely saw where the team misses the likes of Henry Kessler and Dewan Jones. I do want to mention, you know, I, I thought Ryan Spaulding had a decent night, but he continues to kind of still adjust to returning to MLS play after coming back from that loan with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. It was very interesting to see the crowd boo him for basically the entire match after a Going down with that foul, I did not expect Ryan Spaulding to be public enemy number one in Cincinnati. Uh, but over, overall, I think there's still some, some room for improvement and kind of going back to that point where we've t talked about the revolution at the outside backs are a little bit weak, especially if, you know, Dewan Jones, he's always been rumored to possibly make a European exit if that does come for him. Maybe it, it would kind of thrust a guy like Ryan Spaulding into a starting spot. And if someone like Brandon Bai does get injured, who's going to re replace him out on the right? Will Bruce have to mess around with four Masons? So I do think it, it, it's a position that you need to strengthen, possibly, you know, looking, whether it be the summer transfer window or maybe more further down the line in 2024. Uh, but overall, you know, like you mentioned, I think I think it was a pretty rough night, uh, you know, defensively. You mentioned Petro. I thought he had, you know, a great night again. Can't blame him for any of the goals. Really made some impressive saves. I, I remember when... You know, Farrell again let a guy in, and he, uh, a Cincy player had basically a point blank chance, and he he was able to make the save. You know, I'm, almost seemed like he was a little bit frustrated with how the team performed, and I can't really blame him. The defense in front of him did not do him any favors, but he was still able to make the saves. So really happy to see him go into the All Star game. And you know, while I have you, Jamie, I, I'd love to ask you about your thoughts about Petrich making it to the All Star game, but obviously too. Carlos Heel, who ended up getting a yellow card, we'll get to that in listener questions about him not making the All Star game. Yeah, I saw a lot of like um, MLS reporters saying that Petrovic was one of the the most obvious choices, and obviously we're biased. We're biased given that we cover the Rebs week in week out, but I do think it was it must have been such an easy decision for him to be chosen. The way he's taken over from Matt Turner, and there's not really been a there was never really a drop in form. It was almost like he was the same person in the way that they were able to bridge the gap so easily. So I think, yeah, Petrovic is just consistently delivering for the Revs and de will deserve the move that he eventually gets to a Manchester United or another European giant because he is just ridiculously good and too good for the Revs already. So, yeah, it's an exciting one to see. And then on to Carlos here, it almost seems... The reverse of that when he is one of those players that is almost arguably too good for the league in the way that he performs so regularly. Um, he's such a talented playmaker. I think everyone in the organization from in press conferences, whether it be Petrovic or Bruce, has all views that voice their confusion as to his exclusion. So I think, yeah, most Revs fans will be surprised to see Hill not in it because he is such a talented player. Obviously, you've got like a lot of number 10s in this league now that are a high calibre, whether it be a Juicy or a Hani Mukhtar, but you'd still assume that most people would have heel in that conversation. So I think, yeah, his absence is a weird one, especially considering how vital he's been to the Revs this season. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned it. You do have the likes of Hani Mukhtar, Sebastian Drusi, uh Thiago Amada. I, I think the Revs should have a humongous, our Revs fans should have a humongous gripe with Wayne Rooney's uh, picks uh, basically bringing on the likes of Ricky Pooch and uh, you know his own goalkeeper Tyler Miller. 
you know, you look at those picks that he made and you think there's probably a spot for Carlos Hill to slide in here. Uh, so it, it really is disappointing to see Carlos Hill not make it. Obviously great for Georgia Petrich. We'll hopefully be able to see Petrovic versus Matt Turner, uh, you know, obviously with uh, the MLS All-Stars facing Arsenal, but really difficult to not see Carlos Hill get uh, selected. But before we get to our listener questions, Jamie, I do just also want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Golasso Kits. Golasso Kits has kits from all over the world, not just kits, even scarves, a bunch of different memorabilia. You can get your Revolution kits, you can get your Team USA kits, you can get your uh, English national team kits if you are overseas, and also so much more. And you can get 15% off with code REVSRECAP. Once again, that is 15% off with code REVSRECAP. Thank you so much, Golasso Kits. But Jamie, are you ready to get into some listener questions? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. All right. Well, first, also shout out to the Discord uh for giving us all our questions because Twitter is just a dumpster fire. Um, so we're going to get get our first question from Wawa Wawa Walk Walk Walk. Great name. Uh, my thought my thoughts sauce questions. Number one, Latif was unwatchable in the first half. Those turnovers are criminal against a team as good as Cincy. Two, that yellow card to heel just changed the momentum of the game. Heel looks not motivated and the team was just hanging on in the game. That being said, that is not a yellow card, not even close. And the ref made many bad calls for simple things like throw-ins and corners. So, Jamie, kind of starting off, I just want to get your impressions of how Latif Blessing performed tonight. Yeah, it certainly was probably a rough one for him. One point that did stick out to me from him was obviously it was in it was in transition, so I guess it makes some sense. But um, bad uh, Dominic Bodgy was driving through on goal, and Blessing was the furthest man back, which did puzzle me massively. But I guess, as I said, in transition, that can happen. Um, but in general, it wasn't... I, I didn't think it was dreadful performance. I think, obviously, he was one of the few players to make a few mistakes. But, um, yeah, as I say, he's, he's he wasn't on his own in that. So I just think he's... Yeah, he's not... He's yet to really make a true impact for this side. And I do think he obviously can. We saw, he, saw what he did with LAFC when they were winning titles so I think he clearly is a, a very talented player in this league and Blessing will um will become a very good asset for the refs but so far he's not really Im- impressed and I think again tonight it wasn't yeah I wouldn't say it was a bad performance but it certainly wasn't um a perfect performance by any means yeah and I think when you kind of look over his last few months it just there's been so many whether it be poor touches whether it be you know you know, going in for a tackle and then ending up with a yellow card or, or, the, or the turnovers, it's just really been rough. And I think it's been tough for him to kind of find his form since going away um, back to Ghana to, you know, settle the immigration issues with his family, which obviously makes plenty of sense. But he just hasn't been able to kind of get into that rhythm again once rejoining the team. And I think, you know, when you look at the beginning half of the season, he wasn't too bad. I think he brought necessary bite to that midfield obviously you have a guy like matt polster who's able to bring that and have quality defensive effort and isn't afraid to go in for a tackle but i also thought that blessing was able to bring that cause turnovers and just really be a ball of energy out there for new england and then these last few months he just hasn't been able to make the right plays you know again creating turnovers not being smart with the ball racking up yellow cards it just hasn't been uh, the best for him and you know you mentioned Noel Buck obviously having a great season especially when it comes to the revolution kind of deploying that 4-4-2 you 
you know, Diamond. It, it seems like Latif Blessing's spot could be up for the bait. Say maybe for someone like Matt Polster, uh, if you want to shift Noel Buck into kind of more of that defensive role. But Jamie, when it comes to Latif Blessing's spot in the starting 11, you know, do you think it's starting to get under pressure? Could we see someone like Noel Buck possibly force uh, Blessing to the bench? From from what we've seen so far in 2023, anyway, I would have to lean towards um, Noel Buck starting. Um, I don't think that I don't just because of like maybe a lack of depth in that position. I don't really see a world in which Polster isn't always like the the deepest midfielder as such. But um, no, I think Noel Buck is is obviously so talented for his age and proved it regularly, which I think was is one thing you don't always see with youngsters. They maybe have a good performance here and there, but he had a, a good string of performances consecutively, which really does work in his favour. So I would be I wouldn't be surprised if when obviously everyone's fit, if Buck is starting ahead of blessing. And I, I would I would agree with it from what I've seen from the two players so far. Yeah, and also do want to give a shout out to Alden who said uh in response for questions, uh I miss Noel. Uh, I I would agree that you know the revolution are really missing Noel Buck right now. When it comes to that starting 11 spot, I do think you, you'd probably go with someone like Noel Buck over Blessing just based on current form. It will be interesting to see if that's what Bruce Arena decides to do. He does tend to go for the more experienced players, so maybe we see Buck come off the bench and he kind of gives a little bit more leeway for a guy like Latif Blessing. I do think you know, Matt Polster, he has looked good in recent games, so I do think he's kind of you know re-earned that trust. I wouldn't really focus on his spot in the starting 11, but I do think Noel Buck should be starting. He's obviously already getting the European rumors. He, he was a key part of the U.S. Youth National Team, obviously, before the U-20 World Cup, and I think he is going to be a star. He's going to be someone who's going to eventually go over to Europe, so I think the Revolution definitely need to play him for his development, but also he's been doing well for uh, New England. He's been able to, you know, un unleash a goal out of nowhere. He's been able to provide some, you know, bite, like I've mentioned before, you know, in the middle of the field. So I do think New England needs to get him in the starting 11. And if that's taking off a guy like Latif Blessing, I do think that's the case. Uh, but getting uh, to the second question regarding the yellow card, um, overall, Jamie, I'm surprised Bruce wasn't asked about it because it would have been amazing to see him uh, respond to it. Uh, but, you know, what were your thoughts on the yellow card? Do you hope, hope do you think it should be rescinded just overall? What did you see on that play? Yeah, I haven't really, I don't think I've really seen a replay of it, but um, I was looking on Twitter after the game and I was seeing a few fans were particularly disgruntled by it. So, but in in live action, it did seem soft, even if like there is minimal contact, it still seems like one of those where the referee normally wouldn't book them for, for the center or anything. So, I, I do think it's soft, but I don't know, I'd feel like. It's one of those where the decision's been made now, and the revs will be will be left to to pick up the pieces and deal with it and see what comes because I can't imagine there's there's any action that can be taken from now. Yeah, so um, I was lucky enough to see a replay, and on, on the replay, it looks like he he makes clear contact with uh, Carlos Hill. Um, so even if you want to say that Carlos Hill dived, which he's definitely a victim of doing on occasion. Um, I do think uh, giving a yellow for simulation uh, is a bit much. Um, so I do know that it is possible for the yellow card to be rescinded. So if that does end up happening, that that would be great. Um, especially because as we're going to get into another question, 
he he has racked up enough yellow cards to be suspended for the next match. Um, so if that isn't rescinded, he is going to mix that match against Red Bull New York, which wouldn't be a terrible thing. Uh, getting Carlos Hill rest isn't exactly bad. Uh, but I do think overall it wasn't a great game for the refs. Um, there was that play uh, that was getting reviewed by VAR. I believe it was Mascara, who was the Cincy player who went down in the box. I think it looked probably a bit worse in slow motion in anything. I don't believe a card was handed out, um, but there was a, a quite a bit of stoppage time. So kind of, you know, along that point, obviously people love to talk about the officiating. Jamie, did anything else stand out? You know, did, do you think the crew had a solid performance or was it a rough night for them? No, I think in gen- as like the two obviously incidents as you've mentioned were were worth noting, but I think in general there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of like of action going on. It wasn't like the most aggressive games between the two sides. I think it was genuinely well observed. So I don't think there was too much. Um, and there, there was one challenge on Ron Spalding at one point that some fans like raised their eyebrows at. It did look maybe not malicious, but maybe a bit late. But um. Nothing came of that, and I think in general, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too much for the referees to to be occupied by anyway. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a particularly bad night. Obviously, I think those two calls stand out, but especially referees, they they're under quite a lot of scrutiny. Um, luckily, they were spared from a Bruce Arena roast sesh uh, after the match. But overall, you know, you have those missed calls; they stand out. But I don't think they were particularly horrible. Um, but getting to Emily M's question, it is about the heel yellow card so saying it isn't suspend uh rescinded say he is going to be suspended for that new york red bulls match what should the lineup or game plan be for that one so jamie how should the revs plan uh for this matchup against new york red bulls if carlos heel isn't going to play it's a difficult one because whereas like a fair amount of players on the roster are are replaceable there are like like-minded players i think the beauty of Carlos Hill is that he is one and one in his own. There is no there is no like for like replacement that you can just slot into his position and crack on. So I do think going into that Red Bulls game you would need to to find somewhere to add more creativity. So whether it is maybe rely more on Ima Boateng to create from out wide and then maybe putting some someone on the opposite wing as well and going for a more wide approach. But um yeah, I do. I do think it's difficult because there really is no, there is no Carlos Hill replacement that you can just slot in there. So, um, and that's one issue I always think is that we, there's not really a number ten replacement either. Like someone like Tico Rivera can can be a playmaker, but can he be it at this level of MLS so far? I'm not quite sure if he's at that level yet. So I, I really wouldn't know. I, I'm fascinated to see what Bruce Arena will will do next weekend because. There really is there really is a lot of question marks there. I'd be interested to know what you think about it. Yeah, I I mean it would be interesting if you look at the Reds kind of sticking with that four four two diamond. If you're looking for a number ten, I, I would think your only real option would be Jack Paniotu. But again, he is so young. Bruce talked about he still needs lots of game experience, even game experience at Reds too. So the, all of a sudden, just throw him in a fierce matchup, you know, against. What some you know would call an old rival against New York Red Bulls on the road at Red Bull Arena would be quite a difficult scenario, especially if it was to be to play 90 minutes. So I think if you're looking for that prototypical number 10, he's your real only option. Uh, so that would make it really difficult. I don't think he's particularly ready for a moment like that. I do think he might be able to finagle around 
with the formation, maybe kind of go back to that 4-2-3-1. And instead of having Gustavo Bo at the prototypical striker, you kind of have him at the number 10 or maybe maybe a shadow striker just right underneath or above someone like uh, either Giacomo Veroni would be a good chance to maybe get him a start. Um, also, too, you could have Bobby Wood, obviously, prototypical striker, and then have Gustavo Bo kind of kind of rate operating next to him. Uh, so it would be interesting to see how that would work. It could be a chance, like we've been talking about, to get someone like Giacomo Vrioni into the lineup. Maybe do move Gustavo Bo out wide, move uh, Vrioni into the middle, kind of operating as, like I mentioned, kind of like a shadow striker, and then move, you know, Bobby Wood up top. But I, it will take some, you know, playing around with. We could see, you know, some guys playing a bit out of position. And for someone like Vrioni, if you're looking to build confidence and I think ideally uh, he would be your future at the striker position to have him play out a position. That's not exactly what you want. And I think, you know, obviously the Red Bulls, they've been having an interesting season. I don't think they've been playing particularly well, but not particularly bad, Uh, but that's always a matchup that you want to win. And I think, you know, going into the all-star break and linked cup, you kind of want to end on a high note. So if you kind of get two points out of that game, I think it would be kind of disappointing. I think you'd want to, you know, hopefully get four points, you have to draw now, so you're going to want to get a win. Um, so I think it is going to be difficult. Bruce might have to be forced to play the kids, uh, and that might not be something that he wants to do, but he might just be forced into it. So it will be difficult, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw someone like Jack Paniotu maybe get a start just based on need overall. And, you know, we've, we kind of talked about um, the young players, so I do want to give a shout-out. There was the MLS Next All-Star game. Uh, rosters they were announced and Olgar Escobar obviously with the Revolution Academy has spent some time with Revolution 2 uh he was named to the all-star game so it will be interesting to see him play against all of the league's best so Jamie I do want to ask you know the Revolution Academy they're doing quite well now uh back-to-back uh U19 championships or U17s if I'm wrong I apologize but back-to-back championships uh Brad Knight in heading that team and we're seeing players get selected into the MLS next all-star game. Just o- overall, what are your thoughts on the academy and just the youth movement? Obviously, you have the likes of Noel Buck, Jack Peniotu, Esmir Baratarvitz coming up and making an impact. What has it been like to see, you know, such young players be able to make an impact with New England? Yeah, I think it's it's already an impact that's been felt in the first team when you you mention those names and there's still more like a, a Damian Rivera. The, those have obviously worked their way up the ranks and are now being trusted by Bruce. I think particularly when the, the head coach in question is Bruce Serena, for a lot of people do maybe criticise him for his, his not over-reliance, but his, his how keen he is to use experience over youth. And although we've seen with Noel Buck, who's obviously good enough to be playing, that he has played regularly, but um, there is previous question marks over whether Arena is actually wanting to use youth players or if he can keep them out as often as possible but I think now is like the perfect generation of of Revs players coming up through and not even just with the revolution obviously it's the beauty of MLS in in its current format is it is it is league-wide you see teams from both conferences all over the country selling players on for big fees so it's clearly working well and the Revs are just one of those teams that do it obviously as you mentioned um under Brad Knight and the team the youth team has won what two titles now so they are they are a very t- talented team, so that could be something interesting for the next year or two when you have these older players like Gustavo Bo and Andrew Fowler maybe aging out, whether they'll be 
their replacements waiting in the youth academy ready to to step up because um or one thing i've always found somewhat difficult from being from an english point of view following the revs and reporting on them is trying to trying to stay up to date with the youth systems is i don't know how readily you're able to watch games or anything but it's uh, from from my point of view, it's it's very much keeping a track of it from what the likes of you and uh, Seth are saying, and obviously keeping track of it on social media as well. So it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a, a positive era for this Revs youth team, and hopefully, yeah, next season, for example, we'll see another couple of youth players in the in the first team squad under Bruce Arena. Yeah, well, Jamie, first off, you're way too kind. Uh, but also, too, uh, you know, obviously Peyton Miller signed that deal. We're going to be with the first team next year. Hopefully we see him get some playing time. But, yeah, it really is kind of kind of tough. Uh, I will give a shout-out to the Revs communications team. They have kind of increased the emails, kind of updating, you know, all the academies. But still, you don't really get the visual of, you know, watching these teams play. Lucky enough, you know, the MLS Next Pro, their whole – or the MLS Next Cup, that was all streamed on season – past but even myself you know it's kind of hard to keep up with those games uh so i know seth was watching them so it's it's great but it it is difficult to kind of see who is that next up-and-coming team and we're still in the early days of the revs having just a second team and you know we're able to watch them and it's easy uh but it's still the early days of that so just to be able to see this kind of come to fruition and you know already seeing an impact being made is, is quite impressive and you know, Jamie, we didn't get a question about this, but I do want to touch upon a rumor uh, going around the rumor mill. Obviously, the MLS summer transfer window is coming up. Um, there is rumors coming out of Argentina that a former racing player who was out on loan, Tomas, Tomas, excuse me, Tomas Chancale, could be coming to New England Revolution. Rumors are that he would come on a loan. I believe the cost would be eight hundred thousand dollars. We have an option to purchase for around three hundred thousand dollars would be a DP if the purchase option was exercised. A winger, he was out on loan over in, I believe, Dubai or the United Arab Emirates, um, but is now back with racing, and rumors are he could be coming to New England. Obviously, winger, a position of need for New England. Don't know if you were able to uh, you know, see this rumor or you know, keep abreast of it, but overall, your thoughts on a winger and you know, maybe what Thomas uh, Tomas could bring to the team. Yeah, as you say, I think uh, a, a winger is definitely a position of need. We've seen in the last few weeks, Bruce has opted for a more narrow formation, and maybe that is something he likes doing, but it's also out of necessity. Um, give it a few months back, and obviously Dylan Barrera was arguably one of the Revs' most valuable players, particularly going forward. He was he was such a threat on the ball with his speed and his dribbling abilities, and now obviously we're, we're without him, and there's there's never really been someone of his level on the other wing to, to work alongside. So I think it, it definitely would be exciting. I think um, the beauty of this sport is that it's always uh, aimed towards attacking players. So Revs bringing in another attacking player is very hard to complain about that. I think it would certainly be, be something exciting for, for anyone following the team. And I think, um, yeah, it's, I can't, can't claim to know much about him, but um, obviously come to some pred- pedigree and that's, that fee being rumoured is it's it's quite sizable for for a player of that stature. So it'd be very interesting to see. And then as you mentioned, he if he was to be signed permanently, it may well be as a DP. So then that that obviously begs the question who would be who would be being moved on. And of in an ideal world, as you also mentioned earlier, maybe Bo being brought down into a, a lower deal, but I'm not sure how likely that is. So it could be the end for him or Frioni, even if um 
if the revs decide that maybe this experiment isn't really working with him. But um, I do think, yeah, any any additions are going to be positive, and I think they're definitely needed as at the moment with um, a fair few injuries and Jones away, for example, with the national team as well. There are um, there are holes to be filled. Yeah, and you know, uh, you know, shameless plug alert, but uh, Seth McCumber and I we did a reaction for our paid subscribers of just a hype video obviously because when it comes to these rumors you don't really know a lot uh you end up just looking at these youtube hype videos to try and get the sense of what the players like i will give a shout out to seth he did speak to some argentinian journalists to kind of get an idea and it just overall he kind of seems like someone comparable to barrero i don't know if they're on the same skill level but just being able to be a winger who is able to go at defenders on the wing attack opponents you know has some good skill on the ball, but it's also kind of similar to Gustavo Bo. He's able to unleash a shot out of nowhere, uh, has some real, you know, power to his shots. So I think he would be a good addition. Again, this is based based off YouTube hype videos. So I would hope that the Revolution uh, scouting department did a little bit more digging, and I bet they would. I do know, I believe some uh, Argentinian presidents of, of clubs were up here. They visited Gustavo Bo. Um, I, I forget if racing was one of them, but I do know, you know, there was some guys up there, so maybe... There's a lot of truth to these rumors, uh, but I do think Chocolate would be an interesting acquisition, kind of bring uh, that ability to attack opponents, you know, those 1v1s that Dylan Barrero brings. DeWan Jones has gotten better at it, but he's not, you know, like Dylan Barrero. And I think that's really what the Revolution have been missing since the loss of Dylan Barrero. That's that dynamic winger who's able to, you know, cause problems for opponents, and whether it be serving up balls into the box or, you know, creating chances of his own. The Revolution have been looking for that, and they've kind of lost that since Dylan Barrero. So definitely something to keep an eye on, and maybe, who knows, Thomas Troncolet will be someone who will live in Rev's history forever. Full take. Thomas Troncolet. Who knows? But, Jamie, that that is it. I really do appreciate you taking time to speak with me, especially because I'm terrible at math, and I have God knows idea what time it is over there for you. So real kudos to you. A uh, shout-out to you and your hard work. Uh, over, excuse me. Over there at Last Word uh, on soccer. Just overall, Jamie, can you let people know where they can find you and where they can find your work? So just for starters, it's, it's 4 a.m. over here, so it's, it's Jamie, quite an absolute legend. It's quite an early one. I do. I, I have been. I've missed a couple of recent games just because it is it is quite a time schedule to keep up with. But um, my Twitter at is rookiejnr13, and yeah, um, I cover everything Revolution for Last Word on soccer as well as covering European football for the European site. So, yeah, on my Twitter, you can find everything I do there. So, but, yeah, thank you for having me on. And likewise, obviously, go and uh, follow Sam and Seth and all the guys at Revolution Recap as well do do such great work following this team that we all love. Uh, again, I didn't, I want to make it very clear. I did not tell Jamie to say all this. So this, this is quite a, a shocking. But yes, uh, make sure to check out all of our work over at the Blazing Musket. I'm not really using Twitter that much. Uh, don't know if you know. Websites is falling apart. So uh, definitely make sure if you want to catch our work to uh, check us out, www.theblazingmusket.com. A uh, ton of great stories. Want to give a shout out to Seth uh, for his great article on the bees. I don't know if you heard about it, Jamie. There was a swarm of bees taking over Gillette Stadium. Seth uh, interviewed the beekeepers who were able to get them to a safe home and get them away from fans and players. So uh, definitely make sure to check out all our great work there. Also check out the Blazing Musket Instagram at uh, the Blazing Musket. You can see all of Dolan's great photos. 
And also, too, we have a YouTube channel uh, where you can see all of our interviews. Uh, Seth and Greg recently talked to Tom Bogart. It was a great sit-down talking all things transfer rumors and just overall uh, New England Revolution. So make sure to check that out. Uh, but once again, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for all the listener questions. You probably heard the notifi- notifications going off because this is my first time recording. Uh, so please uh, give me some grace. Uh, but once again, want to say that this episode is presented by Bet Online. Also, shout out to the Rebellion. Make sure to check out everything that is going on there. And also check out Go Lasso Kits. But once again, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. And go Revs. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.